The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. Uh, Matt Keogh could not be with us today. Um, summer, a little bit, a little bit of a crazy schedule during the summer for teachers. But we do have a guest, um, a gentleman who I, when I first asked to come on the podcast, he said no way, like done deal. But then finally decided to come on, and we're excited to have him, Coach Timothy Mativier. Coach Mativier, how are we doing, Tim? Good. Uh, thanks for having me. I don't think my mic's on. Oh, you're on. Am I on? Absolutely. I was going to say, the, the headphones might not be working. But uh, no, you are on, and we can hear you loud and clear. Fantastic. I say, sometimes the headphones, I think they're, ju- they're just for show, I think, sometimes. I can hear you in the headphones, but I can't hear me. Oh, no. No, you're you're working loud and clear. Um, so we're going to come in hot. Uh, summertime, obviously, Bill's training camp starting. Um I love this time. I love this time of year, but I don't love this time of year because it's it's obviously a bit of a downtime for sports. But at the same time, everything's starting to like finally come back. We finally we're getting uh, football is right around the corner. Training camp started uh, today. Um, even for high school sports, it's it's still a bit of a downtime for high school sports. I mean, yeah, you have your quote unquote captains practices or summer sessions, but uh, it's just a really cool time of the year. Um, how do you kind of deal with the downtime? I mean, I know you're you're like me. You're a three three sport coach. I mean, you do cross country, indoor and outdoor track and field. Um, do you it, is this time of year? Do you kind of do you like having that downtime, or do you kind of get a little antsy? But like, all right, let's get into cross country. Um, well, I think if we didn't have this downtime, we would all go insane. Um, Absolutely, there definitely needs to be this period to decompress, uh, reset at the end of a long year. Uh, again, three sport coaches, uh, we pick up in August and go all the way through June with maybe a couple of breaths in the middle. Um, like you said, it doesn't mean that we're not doing anything. Uh, we've been practicing since uh, the end of June. We took a week off at the end of the year. We have a couple practices a week for cross country. Um, but it's much le- much more relaxed. Um, I don't like take attendance. I say if you if you're available, come to the practices. Let's get something in. Uh, if not, here's a workout. Try and get something in uh, on your own. The the tricky part is the weather. The we got one practice in, and then there were two air quality days and a thunderstorm. And so I was beginning to wonder. Well, maybe we won't do anything at all this summer. We'll just watch uh, the weather report and um, suffer inside. Um, and then, of course, dealing with the dealing with the weather, the opportune time environmentally to do these practices is early in the morning. Dealing with high schoolers, yes. um, the uh, bio t- like the time that they want to do the practice is like three in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> yeah, by the time they roll out of bed, by the time they get out of bed, and they're all uh, staggering around at the at, at practice at nine in the morning, and I'm telling them, you know what? You don't want to be doing this in the afternoon. You got to trust me on this. If I had a nice air conditioned indoor facility, you bet we'd be doing these in the afternoon. Oh, for sure. Uh, but uh, this is this is what we got to deal with. Um, 
but it is a lot more relaxed after the morning practice. Um, you can decompress. You can do your own stuff. Um, you've got summer school, so you probably are busier than I am. Uh, a good kind of busy. Yes, I've talked to talked to many teachers, and you know, summer school is a, a, a double edged sword. Obviously, you're being paid for it, which is fantastic. But on the other hand, that's time that you don't have uh, at during a time period where now all of a sudden you're dealing with. Perhaps not the, uh, the the students that you might want to see for another couple of months yes. uh, over the summer. So, uh, yep, the busy period, uh, but it is it is nice to at least take your foot off the gas a little bit and allow yourself and the athletes a chance to uh, just kind of breathe after their long year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now, for your summer practices uh, for cross country, do you do you usually get a lot, or is it do you usually get just mostly cross country, or do you get some track kids in there as well? Um, I've always left it open for anyone. I mean, this these are open practices. The way technically technically by uh, Nisvisa rules, um, any summer practices have to be open. If they're if you're using any school facilities, they have to be open to any everybody, student, any student. Um, or and if they're not if you're not using school facilities, you don't have to open it up to everyone, but you can't mandate the practices. Um, but I always open it up. You know, the more people we have, the better. They tend to be distance oriented practices. So I'll get track folks every now and again. They'll come to like one or two. Uh, but that's that's not setting them up for their fall sport. You know, I got a football player. Maybe we're not coming out and doing a long workout, uh, yeah. a long running workout. So. Um, you, you mean none of those uh, three hundred pound linemen are coming out and running and running three miles, four miles with you guys? It's fairly uncommon. Um, <laughs> I won't say it's it's never happened, but I uh, it's never never is a very strong word, but we're getting close to it. Um, so yeah, I mostly have the cross country folks, but the ones that we do have, I've got a core this summer. Uh, we got about seven to eight that are there all the time, and then another five or six that are often there, and they'll rotate around. You know, people go on vacation and and, and whatnot. Again, I'm not taking. I, I take attendance so that I record everyone's mileage, uh, but it doesn't. If you're not there, you're just not there. You just don't get any miles for the day. <laughs> that, yeah. That's all it means. It doesn't mean anything uh, going into the next season. But um, yeah, we usually get a good a good solid group, and again, they're the ones that want to be there, and that's the people that I want to work with. Uh, nobody's here. Uh, at the point of a sword, and uh, we'll get some good workouts in and uh, set up for the fall season. Do you notice sometimes, like, even during the summer, you kind of, uh, I don't want to say you make your practices, like, laid back, do you, but you, do you kind of, uh, I guess, make them a little more fun or make them a little more enjoyable just to kind of, or or do you kind of almost treat them uh, the same way you would a regular either uh, cross-country workout or a regular track and field workout? Um, I mean, they're a little bit more laid back, uh, but we're still trying to get the work in. So they have to have, um, a decent amount of structure. Um, so I'll have, this is your, this is your workout group. This is what we're doing. These are the paces we're trying to hit, but there's more flexibility. Um, if you're a little bit off pace, it's not really as big of a deal. It's like, okay, it's, it's 80 degrees this morning. We'll slow it down a little bit. Um, I'm not, uh, we're not, there's no race around the corner that you need to be ready for. I am happy that you are here and you are running the mileage. If you ran the whole six or whatever miles we had on that day, that is six miles that you didn't have to do that some people maybe didn't do. Um, and now you're six miles better set up for the future. Um, even if you were a little bit off of the pace that would be the ideal pace under ideal circumstances. Um, but it, it doesn't bother me quite so much. 
Um, if, you know, I, I set the pace because I, I have to have the workout structured that way. Otherwise, I'll go nuts. Um, and it gives them something to shoot for. But if they're a little off, it's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. We're a little off today. Don't worry about it. Um, we're, it's the summer. Uh, it's cool. It's, it's almost like anything here you do, it's extra. It's, it's extra. just extra. And then uh, they're, so they're with me Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays on your own. You know, run on your own. Get an easy uh, couple of miles in uh, whenever you get a chance. I found, surprisingly, that the hardest thing to do as the, for these intro distance runners is learning how to run easy. You yes. You think – that running easy ought to be, well, easy because it's in the name. Uh, but uh, they're not comfortable running below a certain pace. They think, okay, well, I have to be, I have to be at least this fast, or they just don't know what it feels like. Like, you, you, you race 800s and miles, and now all of a sudden I'm telling you to run four miles at 930 pace. You don't know what that feels like. It feels awful slow, let me tell you. Um, it took me a while to get used to the, the idea that after these easy runs, I should be fairly fresh. Um, and I could have done another one. Like I could have done another couple of miles, but that's, it's tough to get them to, to, to figure that out. And like, yeah, I don't want you to be all that tired. That's fine. Like, oh, yeah. you haven't failed at the workout. I, I told you to do that. <laughs> oh, that was, I remember I ran cross country, uh, seventh and eighth grade until I, uh, switched over to soccer full time for, um, fall. But I remember as a seventh grader, um, I was on varsity. I was one of the top, uh, five runners. But I remember our first, we, it was just like a slow, easy day, a long distance. And of course, as a seventh grader, I had that, I'm going to beat all these kids. <laughs> so I went running out like a bat out of hell. I think it was, it was an easier day. I think it was like a three or four mile run, nothing, yeah. nothing long. And I was so excited at the end of like, <laughs> yes, I got back first. I beat all the starters. I, until my coach kind of come up like, Monahan, this was an easy day. Like, yeah, you you're four minutes ahead of everybody because everybody is just like jogging this. What the hell are yeah. you doing? <laughs> but again, you, you're a new runner. You're it's it's new to you. You're like you just I it, it took me a while to instantly be like, all right, there's a difference between running for a race. There's a difference between running for practice. There's a difference between days when you go all out or days when you're just, hey, I'm getting the miles just to yeah. get the miles and just to stay stay in the rhythm. And I think I think you're right. That is one of the, especially for distance runners, even on the track. That's one of the toughest things for them to learn it's, how to pace themselves and how to how to do the practice the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah, the the thing with the the slower paces is that you have to be able to feel that there's no uh, there's no screen up there telling you how fast you're going. Nowadays, a lot of the kids have the the GPS watches, which sometimes can uh, are great and sometimes they don't work and, and then they just leaves them like they don't know what the heck to do because i've got this magic tool that tells me what i'm running but it's clearly not working and now i have nothing um it's it's muscle memory just like learning how to shoot a free throw or kick a kick a, a corner kick for soccer or anything like that the only issue is that there's no immediate return on investment like you shoot a bunch of free throws you can see yourself improving you just have to run at that pace for a while and then eventually you'll you'll be able to feel it. Um, and again, it took me a while for that. Um, and still, sometimes on my easy days, I'll catch myself going just for one segment. Like I'll feel good. I, I got I had to sprint across a road, and then I'll just keep it up for a little bit. And I have to remind myself, no, Slow no, down. I got you. Got to work out tomorrow. Like that's the important thing. Today is just kind of flushing out the system. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a constant struggle. But you know, now with those, <laughs> do they let you? Do they let you wear like those? Uh, Apple watches or anything during during races, they don't let you do that. As do far they? as I know, watches are allowed. 
Um, oh, they are. They changed that rule. It was with the it, actually they changed that before they changed the jewelry rule. They yeah, I know it. they got rid of the jewelry rule. It was for cross country only for a couple of years that you were allowed to use watches. I guess I don't know if the GPS or Apple watches if those count uh, count as watches or okay. like like my watch, my ten dollar watch from Walmart that keeps the time and that's <laughs> yeah that's what it does. That's what I need it to do. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've seen people wearing the the fancy watches. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't used to be a role. Like when I was running, nothing, no watches, none of that stuff. That's why I almost feel like I almost feel like having like a, an Apple phone. It's I don't want to say it's cheating, but I almost kind of feel like it's cheating. Like it's just if you've got something on your slow down, go. To, you're yeah. you're at a you're at a four thirty pace. You're at a five twenty pace. You're at. I almost feel like that's that's kind of cheating a little bit. What, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean. Th- I mean, it, it, uh, yeah. it's tough, but yeah, it, it definitely a little bit. It can, it can certainly be a help, especially if, especially in in the those big races um, where everyone's adrenaline is is ready to go off the line, and they just these big cross country races, everyone's sprinting out of the gate, um, and it's hard to find your place and be comfortable being farther back than you might think. Um, but I also, as I said earlier, sometimes it it, it backfires if the technology is not working. Because sometimes, I mean, this is the GPS is very good, but sometimes the satellite is off for a little bit. You're running under some trees and it loses you and then it, it tries to catch up. And then all of a sudden it says you're running at like four minute pace because it thinks you just teleported between one yeah. place and another place <laughs> when clearly you didn't. Um, and then you've and then you've got this thing. And now now all of a sudden you're looking at the time and it's it's messing you up because, you know, it's not right. But you don't know by how much it's not right. Um, so it's it's like any other tool. Like it can be useful, but if you rely on it too much, then when it doesn't work, then you're kind of left on your own. Which is why I even nowadays, like I run some road races, and you've always been allowed to wear watches in those. Yeah, um, I will often have my watch, but then never look at it because I I I, I might want to have it, but it's like during the race, I got to feel, I got to be able to know what pace I'm going. I got to feel it. I feel good here. I looking at the time won't help me like i know where i am in the race i know i i know i just passed the mile mark like looking at I'm looking at my watch again it's not gonna help so <laughs> yeah. it can almost be a crutch at times yeah but yeah. um yeah i ran back in the days where we were lucky if we got to wear like uh walkmans well <laughs> well the big bulky walkmans while we were racing um there was no none of this iphones or you know back in the uh back in the stone age of racing but um so tell us a little bit like how did you how did you get into running as as an athlete? I know you ran um, high school, ran really well, ran in college, but how did you, what got you into the sport in the first place? Um, all right. So I, uh, like like many uh, eventual cross-country runners, I started out as a soccer player. Um, okay. I was, I played soccer from when I was five, four or five, like as long as I can remember having memories, I was, there was some soccer involved. Um, up to when I was about 11 or 12. Um, and then I was like busy with other stuff. Um, so I was always, and I was always the one running around the most, like my soccer, like a midfielder, yeah. just doing everything. Yeah. I mean, at, at, Same that, here. at that age, um, you get, you can do a lot just by being the one who is the fastest. You don't have to have great ball skills and I developed pretty good ball skills, but at the start I was just, I'm going to get the ball away from everyone. Um, and then I'll have free reign to kind of do whatever I want. <laughs> um, the other time that I was running is I used to play, um, street hockey, with a bunch of guys on the street and okay. they all had rollerblades and I did not. So they're just 
cruising around on their rollerblades um and i'm sprinting after them like <laughs> i probably got in more running during one of those games than than in like most cross-country practices um and this is when i'm like five six seven eight nine you know okay um and so that was that was my background to, to get me started um and then the summer track program at crosby field i got involved in that when i was when i was 10 i i started in that i was in that for a couple of years and the first year when I was, I remember, I'm, I'm 10 years old at the time. I got a ride down and back two and a half miles from my house to the Crosby. The next year, both of my parents were working in the mornings. So I ran <laughs> down to Crosby Field every morning. This is one of those stories. Like, ah, oh, I trudged up to, up to school 10 miles in the snow. Uphill both ways. Both ways. But I, I mean, I didn't run the whole thing usually. Uh, but I, would, I had to transport myself two and a half miles five days a week. Across, like, this is the kind of thing that would get my parents arrested nowadays. You let an 11-year-old <laughs> yeah. cross Sheridan on their own, like, <laughs> every day. Um, I, they, they drive me back, uh, uh, but... So that that helped as well, and so I kind of had I kind of had the background by that point. I was gonna say, and that's doing like a two and a half mile run or what, run walk before you before, before the, you're doing a track workout. Before I'm doing the workout. <laughs> Fortunately, the workouts at that time were not very strenuous. It was more of we're gonna have everyone is gonna race a hundred and they're gonna race a two hundred and then we're gonna do our field event. Uh, there weren't really workouts, but it was still running when I got. Who there. was running it back then? Was it still uh, Medora? No, 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 no. This oh, was or was this um, way back before. This was back back in the. Back in the early 2000s, um, this was Mike Blessed and Jeff Gemmer okay. um, were the two that um, that ran the program. And I don't know exactly. I actually don't know when Medora took it over. Um, okay. I think Blessed was there for longer. I think there may have been a year or, or two where they were, it, were, it was Blessed and Medora, but I'm, I'm not sure. But it was it was uh, Mike Blessed and Jeff Gemmer who were the, okay. who were the coaches back then. Um, so talk a little bit about your, your – so did you start um, – seventh grade then as like officially cross-country runner or um i started to wait a little longer actually um i didn't really know about um no okay so here's it okay um i was on the the there was an intramural program at the middle school at franklin middle for sixth and seventh graders okay and i was on that very briefly but i couldn't make it work with my schedule i had a i was in a program after school uh, from on Mondays and Wednesdays, right after school, like every every Monday and Wednesday, so I couldn't like I couldn't play any sports. Yeah, uh, for those couple of years, um, and then when I was in eighth grade, this after school thing that I was in moved. I, I went to a different level of it, um, and it was now from six to eight thirty. So I was able to do some after school stuff. I was I um, passed the APP, um, and I was on the. Um, the varsity JV cross country program for a couple of weeks, but they didn't have the shuttle buses going from the middle school to the high school at that time. There weren't really, there weren't a lot of eighth graders. This was eighth graders are still at the middle school at this point. That's when they made you walk or run or I had to, I, you know, I had to get the, the ride down and it was, it was, it was too much. I just couldn't make it work. I didn't know anyone on the team. Like everything at the high school was big and I didn't like it. And so I, I was only on the team for a couple of weeks and I, I told coach Brenders like, like, I, I like it, but I just can't, I can't do it. And he's like, yeah, I, I, okay, I get it. Um, there was a, um, a track program, like a couple of week track program in the spring that the three middle schools uh, were involved, like an intramural track program. We did okay. like a couple of practices and then there'd be a meet, two meets at the end of the year. One yeah. At, um, one at Crosby and one at Adams. Um, and I did, I did that for all three years. Um, and then, so I didn't actually really start at the high school level until I was in ninth grade. Until ninth grade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So believe it or not, I got a, kind of a late start 
comparatively speaking, now there's a lot more. I feel like a lot more seventh and eighth graders than when I was when I was running. There were very few seventh and eighth graders. Yeah, even I know uh, for our cross, I went to Niagara Falls for our cross country team. I was the only seventh and eighth grader um, until my brother. My brother stuck stuck with cross country, but he picked it up when he was in seventh grade. In fact, he came out. Uh, he came out for soccer tryouts when I was. Uh, I would have been a sophomore. I think because he's three years younger. So I would have been a sophomore. And after the first day of tryouts, I'm like, Joe, I don't think soccer is for you. Why don't you? We both knew uh, our cross country coach at the time was Joe Jacobs, who was um, both of our elementary phys ed teachers. So I was like, why don't you go with Mr. Jacobs, the cross country? And you know what? He I mean, he dominated by the time he left. um, He was ranked highly in the NFL. Um, I think he was down. He was. he was around the eighteen, I think he had in the eighteens, nineteen marks for okay. for the three miles. He was he he did much better than I did. I mean, even even as as a seventh grader, I think he was. I don't know if he broke twenty, but he was pretty close. Okay, mine as a seventh grader, I think the closest I or the best I got was maybe twenty two, hmm. twenty two, twenty three, somewhere around there as a seventh grader. So he was way better adapted to the sport than I was. But um, it was yeah, you don't. It's one of those. I feel like even track and field, you don't see too many. I guess more and more now. We've this year, now, this year yeah. we've really seen a lot. Yeah, the last couple of years, at least at least our program ha- has had a lot. There's been a push, kind of, for the athletic department to get more of the seventh and eighth graders. Yes, but um, again, back part of this is because these intramural programs no longer existed. Like again, when I was in school, we had a track program for the middle schoolers at the middle school, and the track was right there, so there wasn't as much of an incentive. Um, Otherwise, if that program hadn't existed, I suspect the gym teachers would have would have told me, "Look, you you should pat, you should do this app. You should do the track. Yes, like especially for outdoor track because I would have just had to walk across a field to get to the facility. I wouldn't have had to go all the way across the district to the to the high school. Um, and maybe I would have it would have benefited me, but I mean, I enjoyed the program that I was in. So like, <laughs> yeah. and at that point, I mean, you're you're still getting the, the work in. Yeah. You know, it might not be as strenuous, but it's yeah. still it's better than just sitting at home doing nothing. Yeah. Um, so you get into high school, um, you did cross country, uh, ninth through 12th as well, right? Yes. Um, I always have to ask, uh, first of all, before we get into your running experience, did you prefer cross country or did you prefer track and field? Because I know my brother, my brother did track and field with me too. Um, it was, we were reverse. I was better running on the track than he was. He was way better running on like on the course, on the grass, on the turf. Not that he was bad on the track. He was still very good, um, but I would always we, – we ended up running a lot of the same events, the, th- the 32, the 16. Um, I don't think we ever did a relay together. Uh, maybe maybe my senior year we were on the same relay for 32, but I was always better on the track, um, and he would – I mean, he was really good on the grass. Like, Did you have a preference, or you, did you not really, not really care? Um, I actually – I enjoyed cross country and, and track, um, and – I, 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 looking back on it, I don't think I had a preference. Um, I mean, on, on the track, I was, I was more of a middle distance runner, although I did go up and run the mile and the two mile. Um, but one of the things I liked about cross country is, was the fact that it was just a a lot simpler. Um, and I, you knew it, everyone was in the same race. Everyone was going the, the, the same distance. Um, and it also, it also helped me because I knew that I didn't have to be 
as far up to the front of these races because I wasn't I wasn't a distance runner, so it didn't bother me as much if I was farther back. Um, it's like okay, I, I, I you could look at it as I me viewing the season as kind of preseason for track. In, okay. in, in a way, that's kind of true, but I definitely, I, I mean, I put the same um, the same importance on all of the races. I wasn't saying, well, this doesn't matter because it's only cross country. Uh, but at, at the same time, there wasn't as much pressure. So and I enjoyed that. And I, I love running on the trails. Like, I love running trails, running in the woods. Like, that is fantastic. I don't like doing road races. Um, I mean, I don't dislike them, but um, get me on the cross country race, uh, gr- cross country course, and that's, I mean, I just love getting out there. The courses that we ran, going to the practices away from the facility, away from Kenmore East, um, we're, we're traveling on the road, um, you know, stuff like that. So I, I did, I did enjoy cross country. I know a lot of the, the cross country folks are like, wow, it's, it's so long and the weather's bad. And like, I, I love running in the bad weather. Like, give me, give me <laughs> snow, give me snow, give me rain. Don't give me mud. I want it to be snowing and raining but only to have just started doing both of those yeah. things. So that the, the ground needs to be, the ground needs to be good. Anything can go on in the air. That's fine. Yeah. We need, we don't need any more uh, <laughs> athletes losing sneakers or losing shoes in the mud or in the course. Yeah. A la Josh Alderman over here. Yeah. One of the, one of the courses that we went to um, at uh, Akron Falls uh, Park and Clarence, my sophomore year, it was, it, it was muddy and it was rainy. It was terrible. And at the very end of that race, about two and three quarter miles in, there's a big hill. And it was, by the time, the, the boys' large school varsity was the last race of the day. And by the time it got to our race, it was basically impossible to get up that hill without going on your hands and knees. And Coach Bredger looked at us and said, yeah, you guys aren't running this. Uh, and he, we, just, we just didn't race that day. Like the JV, all, of the, all of our other races uh, went girls' varsity, girls' JV, boys' JV. They all ran. And he was like, you know, you guys are not racing. Like, uh, nope. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, we're gonna, if one of you is going to slip, and we'll never find you in the mud. So uh, I could totally see Bredger <laughs> doing that, too. Yeah. Um, now talk a little bit, like obviously, uh, Coach Brunger, We still, we still, uh, he's still at it, still coaching. Uh, the man's just a machine. But talk, like, what was your? How is it? Hold on, let me let me let me restart <laughs> this question here before I start rambling on here. Um, first of all, how cool was it? The fact that you were running for Coach Brunger. Now the fact that you're like working with Coach Brunger and coaching with him as a colleague. Like how how cool is that? Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's it's the kind of thing that you you, you uh, when you're when you're younger, you have the, your idols and the people you look up to, and you're like, well, they're on that this pedestal, and they're 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 amazing, and they're doing all these great things, and I'm just me. I'm just a mere mortal. Um, and now to be able to work with him and uh, learn, continue to learn from him, and occasionally to he learns a couple of things from me occasionally, and that's you know that's really cool when I bring something new and he's like, ah, I didn't consider that, um, and like, um, but yeah, to just to be able to work with him is uh, is awesome. Uh. Was his was his coaching style similar to back back when you had him as a coach to what he is now, or did you kind of notice? Do you notice like a bit of a difference? I f- I think it's it's fairly similar. Um, the mo- the events that he coaches now mainly hurdles and pole vault were not events that I was in. So I don't know what, how, how he coached them back in the day. Um, I feel like his style has not changed all that much. And I've taken a lot of my style from the way that he taught. Yeah. He did cross country and he was the distance coach as well um, for, for track back in the day. So um, I think, I mean, don't, don't next, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, high school career went well, cross country and track and field. 
um, you want, at what point in your high school career did you kind of either have an inkling or have, or have the desire to, Hey, I want to do this at the next level. Like I want to, I want to, I can do this at the college level. Yeah. Like when did you, when did you really start to feel like I could be a college, college runner? Um, I, I think probably from, from the very start, you know, it's always in the back of your mind. Um, everyone begins their sport with, there's a non-zero possibility that they'll be able to compete at the next level. Um, so that, that's always there for, for everyone, at least a little bit. Um, for me, it was my uh, my my freshman year of of the outdoor season. Um, I'd had a pretty good cross country season, pretty good indoor season. I started out the outdoor season and like immediately got hurt. And it wasn't a major injury, but this was my first injury injury. And I was like, "Well, I don't I don't know what like what's going to happen now. Am I going to be able to run again?" And the first couple meets were a little rough, and I wasn't performing as well as I thought I should be. And we had a meet out at Lockport. And I was entered in the 400. I'd mostly done the 800 and the mile to this point. I was in the 400. I was in the JV race, which is where I should have been. Um, we had very good 400 runners that year. Um, I was in the JV race, and I was mad about something. I was like, I'm going to just smoke this. Um, and I went, and I crushed everybody. I ran 55-something. Um, and from that point, for the rest of the season, I, I gained the ability. I, I became the guy who ran a leg of the relay. So that one of our actual 400 runners could take a, a have a slightly easier day because I wasn't going to mess it up too badly. Um, that w- that was my role as a freshman uh, for the next couple of meets. I was like, you know what? Here I am. I'm varsity as a freshman. Uh, yeah. And then a little later in the season, um, there was a, another meet at Lockport. Uh, it was a good it was a good uh, track for me. Um, the the JV Invitational at Lockport, where I ran the I ran the 400 again and I and I won it. I ran 54 that time. And I had a, a teammate, another freshman, who ran under five in the mile. He ran four fifty eight, and he won the mile. And that was the that was the big thing. He overshadowed me. I was not I was not super happy about that. It was like I, I you know I ran well too. Like Zach, I, Zach ran a great race. I, let's let's remember that I was there too though. Um, and so then at the uh, at the next dual meet, I, I asked Coach uh, Coach Talk. I said, you know, can I can I run the mile? Like I haven't run the mile in a while. I've been doing all these four hundreds. That's great. This is a team that we can crush. So. A, I'm not really providing a lot of value in the 400. Like, I'm helping a little bit, but you don't really need me there. Uh, I can still do the 4x4 four four and, and the mile. So uh, can I run the mile? And he said, um, okay, you, you're going to be on the, on the JV level. I said, okay, that's fine. Um, we had, again, good good distance program. So even, I mean, even Zach sub-5, he was not on the varsity level. So um, he was not in the top three. And I was in the race, and Zach was in the race, and there were a couple other guys. And uh, I went out, and I ran sub-5. And I beat him. Uh, I ran 4:56, and so th- those those couple of races um, that kind of set set it up. Um, and then from there on, it was just you know continue to improve. Um, the following winter, uh, I qualified for sectionals for the first time in the 600, uh, 1:30, just barely got under it. Uh, but that was the first, this was my first sectional qualifier throughout that whole previous outdoor season. I didn't qualify for sectionals. I didn't even really know what sectionals was. Like, I was a, <laughs> as a freshman, like, and there's not really any internet in the same way as there is now. Oh, no. So. Now, I mean, you, geez, you can get updates like within the second, but like, all right, I'm 31st, I'm second, I'm 10th. Yeah. yeah, I never saw any of my results unless coach wrote down the times. Otherwise, they, it was like they never happened. There, there's no record of them anywhere. Um, but I qualified for sectionals for the first time, and I was doing well. And then uh, I qualified in the 1,000. And then we get to the sectional qualifier meet, and I'm looking at the entries, and I'm like, there's only five people in this race. 
everyone went either ran the thousand or they ran the three hundred, and there's only five <laughs> people in this race, and there's one guy who's really really good, but the other f- and there's another guy who's pretty good, and then there's the three of us, and one of us is going to go to the state meet. One of us has to go. That's the way it works. Um, and the guy who was really good went out and crushed everyone. And the second guy was a little off on that day. And the four of us were together going off of the last curve. And I just had a little extra and ended up in second and kind of backed my way into a state meet spot. Um, and that was, uh, and I, I don't think it really sunk in until later in the day. It was just like, huh, how about that? <laughs> Here I am. Uh, I was the only sophomore to make it that year on the boys' side, and that's pretty cool. But. Yeah, we were like, wait, I got another race. I got, I got another. <laughs> I got another week coming up. Yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, and from the, uh, you know, from there on, you just, you know, you just keep the momentum going. But uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now at that point, I'm guessing, like even entering your junior year, senior year, I'm guessing you had um, probably a fair amount of colleges like starting to draw interest, starting to to look at you and and gauge what your interest was i was yeah i was getting um i was getting uh, some recruiting interest um there again there's i think there's more now there's more databases more more results are collated everywhere so that the the coaches can more easily look through who who they want who they want to get um but i was getting some some interest during my my junior year and i was starting to look around a little bit like in the spring i mean that's the time you, you start looking um and uh i uh got contacted by the coach at Colgate where I, I eventually ended up going. Um, and we scheduled, there was a, a, a summer, um, uh, visit. I went down to Colgate and also let's see, where else did we go? Um, on that trip, I think we went to Syracuse. It was Syracuse. And then we got to Colgate afterwards, um, Syracuse one day and then Colgate the next day. And I went and I saw the campus. I was like, I am, I'm going here. <laughs> like I was kind of like a love at first sight I deal. I was pretty sure at that point I'd already done my research. Like I already know that I think I would be a good fit on the team. Um, and then I, I saw the campus so like, this is the perfect place. I just got to meet the coaches. Um, and I talked with coach McKinnon and he is a fascinating, fascinating guy. Um, and I wish, I wish I could introduce everyone to Coach McKinnon. Uh, he is. <laughs> is he still? Is he still there? He is not. Um, he's doing. Um, he, he's kind of like Brunger in the sense that he can, he can retire, but he can never really retire. Retire. Yeah. He, he's working with like local uh, the local high schools over there and doing some private coaching and stuff. I actually at the state cross country meet last November. I was Sydney before his race. I was warming up with Sydney, and we were we were running around, and I saw I saw a guy, and I was like, that looks a little bit like Coach Brunger. Like okay, uh, we got a little close. I was like, "That is not Coach Brunger. That is Coach McKinnon." <laughs> it was like it took a little while. Like I haven't seen him in seven years. Uh, but wow, how about that? And so we we talked a little bit, you know. Um, but that that was really cool. Um, and uh, then the following the following fall, I did my official visit down there. Mostly a formality at that point. And my parents were like, "You know what? There, the NCA is allowing you to do this." you should do an official visit. Like this is the last step in the structure. Even if you're 98% sure, let's do this visit yeah. just so that we're at 100% At that point, you got, no, you got nothing to lose. Yeah. I mean, and then if something goes horribly wrong, then we have time to, to, to pivot and go somewhere else. Um, and I did my visit and I was like, okay, this is, this is where I'm going. Uh, and then did, I applied early decision. So I was in, in like December. Everything was all set by That's December. Awesome. It was it was great. I was everyone else is like stressing out in the spring, and I'm like I'm I'm like I'm good. I'm cool. I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm just, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm already just getting dorm furniture at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's no, and it's funny that you mentioned the like. Uh, my daughter, our daughter, ran uh, cross country in high school, uh, track and field. Um. 
So a lot of the cross country meets, uh, it was great because they were on the weekend and typically we didn't have early on. We had a couple, a couple games on Saturdays, but typically for soccer, we didn't have too much going on on mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday when a lot of the meets were. So I got to go to a lot of hers and, um, and he's like, if I'm walking with my wife and she'd see like an old coach, like in their seventies or eighties, she'd kind of look she's like, is that going to be you? Is that going to be you? I'm like, no, maybe. Would you be mad if that was me? But it's, uh, especially in track and field, you, I think you're right. A lot of those coaches, they may be quote unquote retired, but they're never going to be retired. They're always going to be volunteering. They're always going to be just showing up to a meet, even just to help out or uh, be there to help set up their, I feel like that's with track and field and cross country coaches and even some other sport. If that's your sport, I don't think it ever truly gets out of your blood. Yeah. I think you're just, even if you know, deep down, like I'm, pretty useless at this point <laughs> but i'm still gonna be here to help yeah or as long as they quote unquote let me help so um yeah i i'd like to think i'm not gonna be that guy but i'll probably end up being again as long as that team still wants me to help yes i don't I'm, I'm not gonna be one of those guys that just oh jesus christ here comes coach Monahan. Yeah. somebody tell him to get off the track yeah as long as i mean as long as you're in a good situation um absolutely yeah um, every, every program could use an extra set of veteran eyes. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They know what they're talking about. They're good with the kids. Um, honestly, I mean, we could, you know, as well as I do, we could use another dozen coaches. Out oh, there. absolutely. Um, especially this year when we had <laughs> what counting Brunger and Alderman, uh, six coaches with 144, 150 kids at one point at, maxed out. I mean, it was a lot at, the, at, at some point on the final forms, we were over 160. Yeah. Um, we never had 160 at any one given practice, but it was the potential for that. And, and there were still many practices where we were in the eighties, nineties and hundreds oh, yeah. all at one time. I remember the first, the first, um, day of outdoor season when we're still inside and we let the kid, all right, five-minute run, warm-ups, whatever. And then the janitor just comes running down. What the hell? You, there's too many kids. We're like, dude, yeah. this is how many. Like, we always do this. Yeah. We just went from 50 to 150. Yeah, I remember because I, I always I always get there a couple minutes late. And I got there after this had already happened. And everyone's, like, standing around. Or, no, I went right into the gym um to to get set up because they're they're gonna come in and do their form running and then someone came in and was like the janitor just yelled at us yeah for- we're like oh <laughs> we didn't know what to do i'd never the only time i had seen this man like when i because i teach in another building like you do and i'll come in and i'm like hey how's it going and always yeah. very polite always you know sometimes he'll crack a joke or something that's about always but no he just came <laughs> in and he like ripped like dude yeah. we, we we always do like it's me i've been here for a while like we always do this so, no, he was um, – it caught him off guard when he saw over 100 kids <laughs> running down the hallway towards him. So, we had – you know, it's it's like anything with coaching. Sometimes you just – you make it work. Yeah. You make it work. Um, thankfully, we were able to get outside fairly, fairly quickly yeah. this year, which that's another thing with, with the indoor – the outdoor season, there's times where – you get those seasons where it's snowing and cold in the March, in the April. Yeah. One year, I feel like we didn't get outside until almost, maybe we might have even stayed inside all of April. Like, I, I feel like there was one year where it was damn near May or might have even been May when we finally got outside. Um, I remember the first year that I was, I was uh, at East. This is 2015. 
I remember that we were inside for a while because there was still snow that was hard frozen onto yeah. the track. Um, and over the Easter break, I don't remember when Easter fell that year, but it obviously sometime in April. Um, I went down to the track with a shovel. I was like, I'm going to chip this snow <laughs> off. Coach, Coach Majerus, you're going to see that there's no snow on the track. We need to go outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was funny. Like Shane and I would just kind of look at each other and be like, yeah, we got to we got to go out, but I mean, <laughs> if the the weather doesn't cooperate, I mean, this year we had a meet at the end of April that got snowed out. Yeah, like what is that? <laughs> yeah, it was it was just ridiculous. Um, and it's uh, again, it's one of those sports, and I mean, you get that with baseball, you get that with soccer. Although soccer, not too much. Soccer really, as long as there's no thunder and lightning, yeah. even with cross country, as long as there's or, I mean, in cross country, if it's if it's like downpouring, do they cancel, or is it pretty much the same as in soccer? As long um, as there's no thunder and lightning, you're running. There will. I mean, it's up to the official and the coach's discretion. Um, I've only had one cross country meet get canceled, and that was due to that was thunder and lightning, um, and it was going to keep going. So rather yeah. than rather than wait the, the the thirty minutes and try and wait out, because the other issue with cross country is. We are not in a facility with lights. No, it's so, not like all right, get the trees, get the lights on the trees. Let's go. It's like, yeah, we'll just we'll just wait another half an hour, <laughs> and then we're at Pond Lake, and it's pitch black, and people are running on the hills, and they're all they're all getting breaking their ankles and stuff. So, um, I think yeah, I've never had a meet get rained out, but I mean, it it, it certainly can't happen. But uh, we'll run through most stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the th- yeah, the thing with with track is because there's so many so many uh, people out there it's hard to keep an eye on and if the weather gets bad we can't like all go into the locker rooms quite as easily as a baseball yeah. team of 15 or 20 people can, can go inside and what if we've got mats out like we've got a lot more equipment to set up um and so the the weather is a little bit more of an issue um but yeah that's what it is <laughs> so let's get back to so talk a little bit about your first uh first year running at, at Colgate like was it what would you say was like the the biggest jump, even cross country or track? Like, what's the biggest jump that you noticed from running um, high school level to college level in either cross country or track or both? Um, just it was for cross country. Just the the increase in total mileage was the thing. And I wasn't. I was in the the quote unquote mid distance group for cross country. There were there were like four or five of us that were in that group, and we knew we we were not distance runners. We were running cross country. And, and racing cross country, but we were not we were not distance runners. When the track season came, we dropped back down. Um, the distance distance runners would um, they would do wild stuff that uh, they would go out for like a, a forty minute run in the morning and then come back for another fifteen miles in the afternoon. Oh, it was like, damn! Yeah, I was like they'd have the, the the chart set up on the walls like this is what you're doing, what each person is doing each day, and the mileage at the end of the week. And many of them were over a hundred or, or close to a hundred. I say, did you ever, did you ever do a workout with them? Even if it was just like a daily workout, we would, I would do the, the workouts. I didn't do those long runs with them. Okay. Uh, but a lot, a lot of the workouts I was still able to do. Um, but I wouldn't do the, all the extra stuff. Like I didn't have those morning runs, which was fantastic because <laughs> I, at that point I was, uh, I probably would have run them too hard, as I alluded to earlier. I hadn't gotten to the point where I was comfortable running easy yet, um, and I would have gone out and run those things way too hard, and I would have made it work for a while, and then it wouldn't have worked. Um, so the increase in mileage was the main thing for cross country. Is we had a, a route called Hill Hill Road, which, as you might imagine, had some good hills in it. It was hilly, and then it finished with a about a three-quarter mile hill called Gigantor, Ooh. which is, uh, un- if anything, understating uh, how terrifying that thing was. <laughs> and you could see it. You came around a corner, and you could see it in the distance. Like, 
stretching up like multiple skyscrapers. It's like, I got to climb up that thing after I've already run eight yeah. miles. But like, wait, we're running that? <laughs> what? Come on. Yeah. So doing doing a hill road um, on sa- the Saturday that we didn't have meets, that was that was something. I'd never done anything like that before. <laughs> um, and Colgate, where Colgate is, is very hilly in general. Um, you know that Tonawanda is uh, flat as a pancake. Mm-hmm. So I'd never, our hills were at Chestnut Ridge, uh, which is fine, but that's not the same thing as where Colgate was, where there were, there were hills and then there were hills and then there were more hills. Um, that was, that was, I guess the other adjustment is just everything was hilly. Um, and, um, then when it came to the track season, just because we had an indoor track, we were able to do hard workouts during the winter in a way that at Kenmore East, you can't because we're in the hallways and the hallway that we run on upstairs has that weird bite out of it. So you can't even get up to full speed. And not that I would really want you to on the, on the, the the flooring anyways. Uh, but we would, we would do workouts and the coach would say, get your, you get your spikes for these. Um, and I think probably we would have all benefited from a couple fewer of those looking back on it. Uh, we were too competitive. And so we would take the workout and go above what he wanted um, and I think he could have pushed us back a little bit, um, and maybe made the workouts a little different. I mean, this is not, not against him. He, he structured him fine. And we were just, we were, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old men ready to go <laughs> like super competitive. And I ran workouts, like looking back on him, I've got them all written down. It's like, I, what, what, what the heck was I thinking? I'm not, in, I was not in shape to do that workout. The number of like 50 second quarters that I ran in practice, it's just absurd. Um, uh, I ran, I did one workout. I remember that was like 1200 all out or close to it. And then an 800 and then a 400. And I ran the 1200 in 309, which I had never run in a race before. <laughs> and it was like, obviously I was gassed for the rest of it. So I got nothing out of that workout. Um, so we could have done with a little bit more structure, but um, that was that was the main difference. Brunger didn't do a lot of those workouts, um, and uh, you know that's the difference between high school and college. College, it's closer. You know, that's the intermediate step to the pro level. Yeah, pros do those kind of workouts, and at the college level, we're considered to be we're mature enough to know like you're risking some injury by doing this. But this is it's almost like a job. Like when you're like that, that's, this is your job. You're expected to be here five days a week. You're going to go through some hard workouts. You might wash out, you know, that's, that's part of the deal. That's just Uh, like in any job. You might, you might quit. Yeah. Um, which is, um, something that you, you don't see at the high school level. Well, at least that's not how I set up. There are plenty of programs that set it up that way. If they have enormous numbers and they can do the, well, we're just going to run everyone through the meat grinder and the people who survive are going to win States. Oh Um, yeah. That's, that's, um, one way to do it. Um, and I, uh, even if I had those kind of numbers, I, I would feel bad doing that to a bunch of high schoolers. Like if you're going to be that good, you'll be that good at the next level. You don't need to, we don't need to be maxing you out at 16. Like we got to be careful about that. Yeah, no. And I feel like too, that's, that's almost like an anecdote. Like I remember even at uh, soccer, uh, but track and field in particular, um, our soccer coach and our track and field coach, the first like two or three uh, weeks of practices, they w- I remember them making them more tough, like on the tougher side. And I remember some of the, well, we want to weed out the talent. We want to see who really wants to be here. And I remember my first year um, coaching this, and this would have been at the park school. I kind of came in with that same mentality. I'm going to do, and that's what I'm like. Looking back, I'm like, why? Like, even yeah. the second, third year, I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to make a kid do something, especially in the soccer field. Yeah, it's a lot of running, 
but you're not going to be sprinting for 20, 30 minutes every single game. You're not going to yeah. be doing, you know, I don't know. I just, I got, I got that idea out of my head very, very quickly in my coaching career. And it just, yet, like you said, looking at why are you really, you're going to, you're going to crush a, a ninth grader, a 10th graders dream of making the soccer team because you want to quote unquote, see if they're tough enough to yeah. be in your program. I mean, it, so it's like I said, I, it, Thankfully, I think that is more of an antiquated thing yeah. that's that's getting further and further out. Yeah. Um, not to say that it's – I mean, as a coach, you do want to challenge your kids. Yeah. You do want to – especially the ones who are good, like um, Sydney and Henry. Um, you, They're quality runners. If you weren't challenging them as a coach, you'd yeah. be doing them a, distur- a disservice. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to – physically run them into the ground yeah that's uh yeah that's the that's the old school mentality of uh you know the the rub some dirt on it mentality you know just just walk it off walk it off yeah um you gotta be you gotta build mental toughness um and that's certainly true you need to have mental toughness to to run to do most sports um there's a lot involved in in the distance races you know that second and third mile it's tough but you know you got to keep going um but building the mental toughness has to be in an environment that supports that supports the athlete and allows them to feel confident in their improvement and not feel like, well, I'm just for falling farther behind or, you know, I'm letting the team down. I'm letting the coach down. Um, so you, you got to build them up, especially the, these eighth and ninth graders who are not on varsity at this point, probably. Um, and they need to be you need to develop them to the point where they will be able to be on varsity in future years. Um, it's, it's great when you have a, a super talented seventh, eighth and ninth grader who can step in and immediately contribute. But I think that the program, what, what I try and what I've tried to do at East is have it where we have enough people in enough places where those people do not, th- those newcomers do not immediately need to feel like I got to be on VAR. Like, yes, I gotta, you, you have your, your place to, uh, improve behind the veterans. Uh, you'll get your, like I did, I was good as a freshman, but I was not expected to do much besides fill that spot on the relay. And I also re- was the third varsity runner in the 400, and I get smoked. The first time I ran it, Coach Tack was like, you're, you're, you're on the 4x4 the four four and you're on the 400. You're not going to win the 400. You're going to be last by a lot. It's okay. So like, you're just getting the experience in. And I said, oh, alrighty then. I've never lost a race by this much before. <laughs> and we had um, an extraordinarily good 400 runner, like 48, 49. Um, and I remember the first race... He was in lane two, and I was in lane six. So I started with a decent stagger, and he made it up on me instantly. Like, I feel like I was still on the line, and he had already passed me. It's like, okay, this is how this is going to go. Um, but, yeah, that that's surprisingly a good experience. And looking back on it, it's like I was able to be in these high-level races without the expectation of having to win or be second or be third. Yeah, you're able to grow into your spot, yeah. grow into your event. Yeah, and then the next year, these guys graduated, I improved, and I'm now I wasn't running my first varsity race. Yeah. I had already done it, and then I was able to you had that experience. be in that position where it's, okay, yeah, I'll be first, I'll be second, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> the one race, um, you remember Will Briggs, I right? I remember Briggs. Yeah, I know what race I, you're talking about. I was going to say, I, <laughs> you're going to talk, it's, it's the Hawthorne race <laughs> where he, right. he just came like, all, all, I remember the day, even the days leading up, coach, I'm going to beat Hawthorne. Coach, I'm going to beat Hawthorne. I'm going to beat, and he, and that 800, he came out like a bat out of hell on that first 400. 
and you could see once, like, when he got to that 500, that's it. Like, he just, yeah. whoo, whoo, <laughs> like, he just went back and back. He was he was totally gassed. But um, it's one of those things where, you know what, as a runner, sometimes you got to learn yeah. that lesson the hard way. Because even whether it was you telling him, whether it was me telling him, whether it was Brunger telling him, we're like, dude, he's on another level. <laughs> he relaxed. You're not there yet. You're not we weren't going to talk him off yeah. of going after him. Yeah. The only way he was going to learn is how he did. He yeah. went after him, and I'll give him credit. He had him in that first 400, yeah. but not much longer after that. Yeah, that's that's the that's the challenge. Um, just like, as I mentioned earlier, with the, the running easy for cross country and, and feeling that, that particular pace is when it comes to a race— you know, you're out there on your own and you've got to run your race and everyone has a different mindset. Some people are going into the race thinking I'm going to be aggressive in the first at the beginning. Some people are trying to hang back. And because you haven't discussed this with each other beforehand, you're all essentially going in blind. You don't know what the heck is going to happen. <laughs> um, and so you've got to you've got to learn by making those mistakes. And that's what I tell all the new not the new distance runners like you are going to run some races and they're going to be horrible because you're going to misjudge something. And then you're just going to know it for the rest of the race. It's not like a, a, a sprint where your race is 12 seconds and then it's over regardless. Like you, you ran a mile and your first 400 was too fast. Well, guess what? You still got three laps to go. Um, and then, but you'll, again, you'll learn. And then the next time, maybe you'll overshoot it and you'll be too slow in the beginning. And then a, gradually you'll find that, that middle ground and you'll run the, and that's when the improvement is going to start to come. A lot of your improvement is not from fitness improvement, but it's from pacing improvement. Um, and again, that's muscle memory. And the only way to learn it is from these races. And, oh, for sure. You know, you mess up like, are you guys looking at me thinking I never ran a bad race? Let me disabuse <laughs> you of that notion. I ran yep. plenty of bad races in all of like the biggest moments. I ran plenty of bad races. Yeah. So let me tell you, it's going to happen. Coach, how do you know we're going to get guessed? Because I got guessed when I did it. Let me, like... let me tell you, I've been around, I've been around the block a couple of times and especially like these 800 and mile and two mile folks. Like I ran these races a lot. I know exactly how you're going to feel, um, and uh, and uh, how how you should how you should run it. Th- different things you can do. Like I like the aggressive mentality of an athlete who goes out and says, "I'm going to beat this guy," but you have to be able to control that and tone it back just enough where it's it's confident, but it's not suicidal. Yeah, um, because it's not like you can will your way all the way to the race. You can you can do a lot if you put yourself in a position to be successful, but you can't just like, well, I'm just going to hope like that I can hold this pace that I know I can't hold. This is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, especially like especially if you go all out on that first shot. Well, I, I can hold this for another lap, right? Another two laps, another three. Um now, one thing, I uh, want to talk a little bit about rivals. I mean, obviously, every school um, has their rivals. You know, West and East have their big rivalries. When I was, it was uh, Niagara Falls and LaSalle, which is no longer, mm. they, they combined. Um, I feel like in track and field and cross country, it, was, it wasn't so much as having that team versus team rival. It was having more of like that athlete versus athlete yeah. rival. Um, whether it's college or high school, do you remember like your big, like, Every every meet looking like I I need to know what this kid's doing in the eight. I need to know what this kid's where this kid's lined up. Like, did you have that that big rival with with anybody from um, another school? 
So as I got into my uh, junior and senior year, and I was kind of a known commodity at the, t- the top of these races, you know, getting to a couple of state meets, and I also knew who the other, other top people were. Um, so we get to the start of the race, and, like, I already knew who all these people were. I knew what they were going to try and do, who I was going to try and beat. Um, I didn't really have a rival in cross-country because I was more just more inconsistent. You get a mid-distance guy running cross-country. My best race was very good, but I was more likely to have a bad race. Um, and these, these distance folks would just they would just crank out those miles, and they would be perfect every day. They're not going to have a bad race. Um, when it came to the track, um, I, ha- I had a couple. You know, there were a couple people that um, – I knew, you know, this could be a race for the section. This could be a preview of the sectional challenge, uh, championship. Um, at In terms of people who are either in the year above me, so the class of 07, or younger, there was only one that I never beat. Uh-oh. Who's that? Was, that? that was um, Aaron Foote, who ran for Niagara Wheatfield. Okay. He was the only one. There were there were a bunch of really good guys. Was, um, he, was he a year above he you? He was a year older than okay. me, yes. Um, but there were a bunch of guys... And I got all of them at least once. Um, there was a race my junior year in the mile at Star Point, and I beat a bunch of them there. Um, there was a, a cross-country, the cross-country Class C state champion, Tom Rubens. He was in that race. I beat him. Um, John Hanley ran for Lockport. Uh, he was eventually, he ran like 4.16 on the year. So he just had a bad race, but I'll take it anyways. <laughs> um, hey, a win's a win. A win's a win. I got him. And then at sectionals, my, my junior year of outdoor, I had an amazing race, and I took down a bunch of people that I had never gotten before, but I didn't quite get foot. He beat me. He beat me to the line by 0.13 seconds. Oh, jeez. Um, I remember. I, so at, at the NFL meet that year, I was fourth. Um, I was behind John Hanley, who I mentioned, Aaron Foote, um, and Tim Fargino from Grand Island. They were all juniors. They were or seniors. They were all a year ahead of me. And then at sectionals, Hanley didn't run it. He just ran the mile. Foot was in it. And Tim Fargino was in it, and there were a bunch of other ECIC guys. I was the ninth seed coming in. I was oh like, wow! I was I was uh, like not even in the in the conversation. I ran two hundred one. The top seeds are like one fifty six, one fifty seven. Oh wow! Uh, and I got a great start off of the line. Uh, Foot was leading. Um, Sean Lanigan from Williamsville East got into second, and then I just had a perfect start and slotted right into third. And I do not remember anything about the first lap. <laughs> I, do, I, I was like, I am here. I'm in a great position. I feel good. And I kept feeling good all the way around to 600. Foot started to pull away from, ever, from the rest of us a little bit. And I was like, I haven't seen anybody else. I don't know how far behind me there are. I am sure not looking back at this point. No. For all I know, they're either at the start of the, they're either 50 meters back or they're right on my tail. There's nothing I could do. But I felt good. And I, I, was, uh, I was able to pick it up off the turn, get into second. And I got so close. I inched right up next to him, and I got ahead of him for a, a, a hair. But then he pulled away from me again. Um, he didn't end up running it at States, so I did go to States anyways. But um, he was the only one that I never beat. Um, I don't know if you can call it a rivalry if it's uh, if you've never if you've never lost if you've never beaten them. But um, I could see that being you <laughs> like you being his rival. Maybe he wasn't. You, maybe well, sorry. Maybe you weren't his rival. Yeah. But you know, he and he and John Hanley they were rivals. Okay. That if you that is basically a definition. What those two had, they were back and forth cross country, not indoor track because Wheatfield didn't have indoor track. Cross country and outdoor track. Every single week, <laughs> they were back and forth, um, and they were the top two milers in the section by far. Um, they faced off uh, like all the time. They were they were rivals. Um, and then the next year, I had a couple, um, not, mm, not 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 really in in the same way. 
Uh, but there were a couple of guys that I knew. There were like three or four of us. It was a good 800 year. There were uh, three people who ran under 156 that year um, in Division One, and a couple more 156, 157. It was a good 800 year. Unfortunately, I did not get the better of anybody in, in the NFLs. I was second, and then at sectionals, I was second to somebody else. Uh, it was frustrating. <laughs> I, I had the state standard, so I did go to the, go to the state meet. But um, that year, so the previous year, junior, year, I lost by 0.13 seconds. As a senior, I lost by 0.02 seconds. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> so everyone, everyone who's like, just what do you think? Oh, you man, can't lose any closer. Everyone who comes up to me and says, "Man, I just got beat." Like, do you know how much that sucks? Like, you better believe <laughs> that I know how much it stinks to lose by a tiny fraction of a second. You better believe mm-hmm. that I know it. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't think you could lose much closer. <laughs> that was the yeah. I still speaking of closer. I still remember the Sydney uh, Sydney Henry race um, uh, this past indoor season. Yeah, where just all I remember was just just the hair, like just the <laughs> hair and both of them. I still to this day I'm not a hundred percent sure who won. Like who I know who won one, but not yeah. who actually won. It was damn near close. It was it was close. It was what I had hoped for when I put them in that race together. You know, the a having two very talented athletes in the same race together, they're always going to push each other to be their best. But then you add that they're from the same family. Um, then it just, it, it ramps it up another notch. Um, I was the, the race, you know, it's weird. You look at the results, you see there was two tenths, two hundredths of a second separating them. You might think the race played out with them neck and neck the entire way, but it was no, not. It was not. Sydney blasted out of the gate and then Henry almost got him at the end. And if it's a six, if the race is 620 meters, who knows what would have happened? I, I think he catches him. I, I think, he, does, I think but, he catches him. But does he stay in front for the whole 20 meters? Like, if if we put 20 finish lines, one at each meter, between 600 and 620, I think the the, the lead would change multiple times over the course, <laughs> course of those 20 meters. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Especially, like, that last, that last like, 100 meters was just yeah. everything what you wanted in a race. It yeah. was it was outstanding. Um. So let's talk a little bit about. Well, first of all, you mentioned you mentioned pro running. Did you ever, when you were still running in college, did you ever did that thought cross your mind of like of of making like trying to go the pro route, trying to become whether it was going to the Olympics, mm. going to that next level, or was that always uh, something like, all right, I just plan on doing four years and then and then this is it. Um, I mean, it, it certainly would have been nice if I had been fast enough. I probably would have tried to pursue that, but I, I mean, I improved in college, uh, but I had some injuries and I never, I never got to that level where it was ever a realistic possibility. So it wasn't like I was, uh, thinking, well, if I just have this one really good race, then I can be on the, I can go to the Olympic trials or, or USA's or anything like that. Um, I mean, it certainly would have been nice. Like, just like, as I mentioned, every, every person, every high schooler starting their team has it in the back of their mind. I would like to compete at the college level. Every collegian at some level is thinking, well, maybe, you never know. Maybe I could be, you know, I could, there are certainly plenty of examples of somebody who started and this unheralded recruit who winds up as the star, the number one pick in the draft, the U S champion, whatever it happens to be. Um, so it's something that was always kind of in the back of the mind, but I, I, it was never really a realistic possibility. Um, and then, so, so instead I went to grad school and the first year I was there, I just ran on my own because I was a little burned out. I needed to to get away from the, um, the, the structured competing every weekend and all these intense workouts and everything. Um, and unfortunately it turns out that me coaching myself at that point was not considerably better at it. I was not better at holding myself back than the other coaches were. I went through a stretch in the spring where like every run 
was like really fast. Like I would do easy runs and they were all way too fast and I felt fine. And then I got hurt. But, um, and then the next year I was on the Wisconsin track club and that was, that was fun. But, um, I've done some road races and I have won money at them. So technically, oh, okay. Technically, so technically you are, I am a professional. There you runner. Go. Um, although it's been a while since I have actually earned any income from these races, but, um, <laughs> you know, I could, I could put it on my resume. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> In fact, it's, Ed, you know, the, I think, you know, the, I don't know if I've told you this story, but, uh, I'm not going to say the coach's name on hand, but it was funny. Um, when I was first, uh, Right out of college, when I was first getting into yeah. teaching, um, I was subbing uh, a lifeguard at one one school, and all I heard was this one this one coach um, just say, "Oh, you know, I'm a semi pro. I play semi pro football, semi pro football." Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I was like, "All right, that's that's <laughs> kind of cool." Until one of the uh, one of the other teachers kind of pulled me aside, like, "Yeah, he's full of it." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "He plays for the Buffalo Gladiators, semi pro. Like, they pay to play." Yeah, I'm like, "Wait a minute, Wait, what?" <laughs> He's like, yeah, they pay, they pay like $150, $200, whatever a year for their, they got to buy their equipment. They got to go to their road trip. So I just looked, I'm looked, I'm like, so he's a semi-pro. So does that mean when I did travel soccer, I was a <laughs> semi-pro soccer player as like a 14, 15 year old. And that was, it had gotten to the point and we gave this guy a bunch of, a bunch of uh, crap. It had gotten to the point where there was about four or five other phys ed teachers. They got, they were like. Larry, we, we're going to pay, we're going to pay for your way. We're going to pay you to try out. You can be their punter, their kicker, go to the Buffalo gladiators. Just shut them like, <laughs> like, thanks, but no thanks. But so it was just, uh, it was funny when you get guys like that. And I'm sure as a coach, you've still run across those guys that like to, Oh, I was, you know, yeah. I was, I was one, one beat away from the NFL or the NBA or yeah. it's, uh, it's uh, it's always interesting when you get when you come across those guys. As uh, you know, as, as your own personal achievements go farther and farther back in the past, we tend to embellish them a little. They bit. tend to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You don't understand. Yeah, Italy, Italy was scouting me for their national team. I was, I was, I was one cut away from the World Cup team in '94. Yeah, um, and uh, <laughs> you get a, a, a decent amount in in uh, in track. People will embellish their times or their distances or whatever. Um, unfortunately for them is a lot of these are recorded. So, yeah. um, you can, you can go back and see, well, I don't, I don't think so, but, uh, or you yeah. get the coach. It just puts out like an under, well, I ran a two fifty mile, but like, no, 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 you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's the, it's kind of the way it goes. You know, you, uh, remember things a little bit differently, maybe deliberately, maybe legitimately, you know, as things go farther back, you know, memory 20 years Selective ago. Selective memory. I mean, it it could be things get foggy. I mean, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe 20 years from now, I'll record those, recount those stories from sectionals. And I won those races for all, you know, like a couple of hundreds of a second swing and I actually won it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so as you, as you get out of your college career, um, out of grad school, when did you decide and what made you decide that, um, Hey, I still love this. I want to get into coaching. Like what did you, was there like an epiphany moment that you, I've got a lot to get, like what, what made you really get into coaching? Um, okay. So this, this started when I was in grad school, the second year when I, I ran with the Wisconsin track club. Um, and so that's, um, obviously that's the club team at Wisconsin. Um, your normal, uh, uh, freshmen, sophomores, junior, seniors, mostly college kids, a couple of grad students like me. Um, and, we went through the cross country season and got to the got to the beginning of the track season and I was looking around, I was talking to the coaches like, We've got some we got a kind of a good mid distance 
program here. We've got we've got some decent potential here against the other schools in the in the club system. Um, and I, I was like, I asked him, can I? Would it be okay if I set up like a a, a training group? Um, where we, we have extra practices once or twice a week and some extra workouts that we do. And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, and so I, I structured those. They were in the evenings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, it's interesting because um, uh, there's not really anywhere to park on campus at the Wisconsin campus unless you got a pass. So I had a car, but no pass. So I would run into those practices. <laughs> uh, I, get, I get my three and a half miles before I, I, uh, before I got there. Um, and we did those a couple times a week, and it, it you know it worked. We did very well at the at the NERCA meet. We actually won the four by eight. Um, my I'm a national champion. Let us let it okay. be known that I was okay. the, I was the first person to cross the line in the four by eight NERCA f- and uh, at in 2015 or 2014. So I'm you know national champion. But and absolutely. I, <laughs> and then uh, I thought you know what this was this was fun. I I think I did a pretty good job. You know we had a good group. The next couple of years they did really well. So I believe they continued the structure that we had set up. Um, it was many of the same guys who were there the next couple of years. So I I believe they kept they kept doing that. And the next year they won it again. I think. Maybe two years. I think they won it three years in a row, the, the four by eight. Um, and then I, I graduated. And like many graduates, um, I didn't really have a clue what the heck I wanted to do. <laughs> I didn't have anything lined up. I had kind of gotten a degree in nothing, um, two degrees in, in nothing, um, and that didn't immediately translate to a job. Like I wasn't a doctor or anything. Um, and so I was, I was back in... Um, in Tonawanda and I was buying buying shoes in August and I was at Runner's Roost and I saw Coach Brunger because he works at Runner's Roost and I was talking to him a little bit and I said, you know what, I, I think it might be interesting, you know, if there's any coaching jobs, you know, let me know. And he said, yeah, sure, of course. And then a couple of months later, before the indoor season, um, I got a call from Coach Brunger and he said, we don't have currently have any indoor track coaches. So they offered me the head coaching job and there's an assistant position for you if you want it. And I said, oh, oh, all right, sure, let's do that. Um, and so uh, I was the assistant that, that year. And then for the, for the outdoor season, uh, there was a job opening, but I didn't get it. So I, I volunteered. And then the next winter, uh, because Coach Brunger did not want to be the head coach and do all the uh, administrative stuff, that's, he was <laughs> like, all right, I'll do it. But I, I don't really like to do that. So what happened is we swapped. I took the head coaching job, and he was the assistant. Um, and then I got the head coaching job in the, in the spring when the head coach didn't, uh, didn't return that year. And then, you know, it just kind of, that, that's where it started and it just kept going. Like there was no reason for me to go anywhere else. Eventually I got the cross country job as well. Um, so it was, I was kind of a, a situation of be, me being in the right place at the right time. You know, that job had, that job opened up and it just, I was there, there to take it. But I also put myself in the position where I had talked to coach Brunger about it. And I was I was looking around for for that kind of a thing. And I think I, I would have gone somewhere else eventually. You know, these positions open up, especially like the assistant. Like I started as an assistant. Oh, yeah. Um, like like most people do. Um, I would have gone somewhere, um, but it was pretty cool. It ha- it just happened to be, you know, happened to be back in my alma mater. And it's Coach Brunger, you know, I'm working with Coach Brunger. And I, I asked him for a lot of advice in those first couple of weeks. It's like, I, I know what I'm doing. But you know what I'm you know what you're doing a lot better than I know what I'm doing. So let's make sure I don't wanna like I don't wanna screw these kids up. Like I was so nervous those first couple of weeks. It's like it's one thing when I was at the Wisconsin Track Club and the people I'm coaching are my teammates and they're like a year or two younger than me and we're all kind of high level athletes at that point. Uh, and then I've got these kids and they're like they they're the literal children. 
Um, and I'm like, I'm so terrified. Like, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to break these kids. Um, and we don't have any facilities anymore. Like we're at the at Wisconsin. We had the indoor track and, and everything and It's like, what do I do? I'm coaching sprinting. I've never really coached sprinting before. Like, how do I do that? Um, and it was it was a little it was a little frightening. But at, at, at no point did I did I think I don't want to do this. I can't I can't handle this. I don't want to do it. It was more of a this is a challenge that I can accept. Um, and although we did not have a big team that year. I think it ended it ended successfully. It ended with a a four by two record on the girls side, um, which is still possibly one of the highlights of my my coaching career is that first four by two that that year we had 28 or 29 people on the team total. That's it. Yeah. And three sectional qualifiers total. Um, It was it was just a kind of a rebuild year. We, we just, a lot of folks who were on the team were also involved in the musical or they were involved in something else. So we had a lot of part-timers, uh, which is fine for them. It's great. But um, it made it a little tough on the track. But we had the four girls, and they, the first time they ran the 4 by 2 together was at RIT in early January. And they ran like 159. The school record at the time was 155. They ran 159. And at the, they crossed the line. I looked at them. I was like, we're breaking the school record. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I could feel it. We hadn't, the, the way we had set up was where there's so much improvement still to come. Uh, and they got down 157, 156, 155, and then 154 at sectionals. And I was like, again, I, I will, that is one of those things you, you look back. It's like, I will remember that moment. I can still remember that moment as they cross the line and the, the time flashes up on the board. It's like Ken Maurice, 154.81. Like, yes, that is, that happened. And, uh, that was really cool. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's funny as like as coaches, people <laughs> there there are games that whether it's soccer, track and field that are just totally it all brushes together at some point. But you always remember that mem- those memorable ones, whether yeah. it's memorable for a very very good reason <laughs> or memorable for a very yeah. very bad reason. Those always stick in your head, and people will ask you, "Well, how do you remember that? Like, how do you remember that so vividly? Are you sure it happened like that?" But like. Put on the videotape. I guarantee you, it happened exactly yeah. like that, because it just it just sticks with you. Yeah, you know you you remember all the hard work that you put into it. Even if you're just coaching, you remember all the late nights. You yeah. remember all the the agonizing over it, the just making sure that everything goes well. And um, it's when you get that payoff, or when you don't get that payoff, it yeah. All you remember in your head, at least for me, all I remember if I get that payoff, all right, this is what I did right, or if you damn it, if I would have done this, or if I would have given him this, or if I would have did that, you just 30 what-if question marks run through your head constantly. Um, How a little bit on that first year, like even just that first year, whether it was in indoor or outdoor as an assistant, as a head coach, like do you think like your coaching style or coaching philosophy has kind of, like if you look back on it, what you were back then, to what you are now or even this last season? Like, what do you think the biggest or was there a big change in philosophy and personality? Like, or do you feel like you've been pretty consistent from then to now? Um, I would say the biggest change is just being more comfortable and confident in, in, in the workouts. Um, as I, as I said, when I started for that first indoor season and like, I'm pretty sure these are good workouts, but I, I, I don't know. Like I'm making, I'm, these are, some of them came from what we did at Wisconsin Track Club, some of them from, from uh, Colgate, but I'm modifying them. I think it's now appropriate for the high school level, for the beginner level. Um, and if you look through the workout plans, they've, there's been some shift, 
but for the most part, I've stayed fairly consistent. And the the goal is to avoid the mistakes that I made, which is overdoing it with these blazingly fast times. I, <laughs> I started the, like the first couple of years I was coaching. I still structured the workouts where occasionally we'd finish with something all out. I've mostly gotten rid of any of that stuff, except like the week before I had the guys the week before the state meet, you know, your high level, high, uh, like high, high achieving athletes. They can do that workout every now and again. Uh, because they can handle it, but that's not something you ever want to do for for your young kids. Yeah. Give them give them the opportunity, save it save it for the race day. Um, yeah, a, a lot of it is just confidence, knowing okay, this is a good workout. We've done this in the past. We're this is a good training plan over the course of several weeks. We'll start with this workout, and then we go to this one, and then we go to this one, and then we go to this one, and these are the improvements we'll see along the way, um, and just being able to know that that the these workouts have ha, have been successful in the past and to be able to modify them for certain athletes um I try and individualize them as much as possible even if it's just this one person is going to take off a lap here in the middle of the workout and then uh, but otherwise it's the same or this person is going to do the same workout but we'll have one less um 200 meters less on each repeat um I tr- I'll try and individualize those um just to avoid having people run by themselves because um, I now do all my running by myself and it's, it's boring and it sucks. But um, um, yeah, um, when I started, I only could coach basically mid distance, high jump and a little bit of sprinting. And now I've done every, every group at some point uh, I have, I have been the, the main coach for every single workout group. Absolutely. Um, at, at some point I believe. Um, and I could in a pinch, um, coach it up or run it at the meter or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, just, uh, just a, a lot more confidence, um, and having more perspective, you know, when you're starting out, you're 25, 26, whatever, everything is, everything is new and everything is a little, this is the first time we have done this. This is the second time we've done this. Um, and now five, six, seven, eight, ten, 10, whatever years later, um, you just have the perspective to say, okay, long, long term here. Um, this is, this is the structure that we have. This will be successful it may not be immediately successful for every athlete, but you've just got to trust. I hate those three words, the trust the process thing, yep. um, which uh, means a lot of different things. Uh, but we're not tanking for anything. So we're not we're not tanking for the number one pick. No. Uh, the, the process here is put in the work, trust that your fitness will improve. And as I said, you will have bad performances every now and again. If you doubt that, watch pro meets. Like, look at these pro results. Yeah, it looks like they're doing really well because they're superhuman. Uh, but you see a, a pro high jumper who jumps seven eight, and that was a bad day for them. Like that was they should be jumping seven ten, seven eleven. You know, um, these high level athletes are going to have bad races. Do you think you're you think you're better than them? You're going to have a bad race. It's okay. Like this is not the end of the world. Uh, I've gotten a lot better at, at that kind of a discussion, um, which is important again for these younger kids they're going to have those bad days and because they don't have that 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 context it can seem like a bigger deal i remember i had bad races and it seemed oh my god like i don't know what i'm doing anymore i suck at this i should quit i should go away like i i should bury myself in a hole that kind of thing (laughs) um and just being able to, to just 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 calm down it's all right um i think that's that's one of the things that i try to bring to a lot of these practices in the meets it's just calm yeah. Just I am I am calm. I I am here. If you if you need like some calm energy, just come on over here. I started out a lot more frantic. I would I would run around a lot more and I still run around a lot, but it's like a calm run. 
Like I'll be it's like uh, a little it's, trot. It's yeah, it's, it's like a trot. I'm I'm cantering. I'm uh I'm I'm doing that. Um, and at the at the finish line, I'll just be I'm I'm there. I'm 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 calm. Come up to me. Let well, we can talk. Um, I'm just gonna write my stuff down. I'm gonna keep my voice low. Um, I think. I think that's something that I've gained. Absolutely, and then you got you got the other coach over there that can <laughs> that can scream and yell and, and get we, out the kids when you need to. That is what I mean. Having having a coaching staff that can cover all of those different, like it, it's it's one thing if you can all coach the, all of the different events. Yeah, that's that's just academic knowledge, knowing how to coach an event. But then the personalities. Do you cover those different ranges of personalities? Like if there were if our our coaching staff at Ken Maurice consisted of four of me. It would be different in some ways, but there would be massive deficiencies that I I know that I can't effectively like I would be faking it if I tried to be you or one of the other coaches like I can't bring that particular energy. Um, and that's what sometimes people ask me, like, so what is what does this person bring to the, the, the program? I'll, I'll talk to some other coaches like they are they bring to the program the fact that they are not me and yeah. they can do things that I can't do, even if I knew everything there was to know about track and field. I would still feel much better having this person there because they can, they're a better motivator. They're a better at, mm-hmm. at doing this, better at doing that. Um, and uh, yeah. And in it. turn, that makes, that makes you a better coach yourself. Yeah. And I learn, I learn from them, you know, and, um, and then we just have those, those options. It's like sometimes, sometimes you need calm. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you want somebody who is so full of energy that it seems like they're just going to vibrate off the ground and they just take flight. And that person's called Coach Marconi. <laughs> it's possible that that's who I'm talking about. Um, and that's, that's great. I will and never, that's fantastic. I will never have that energy. And especially in the cross-country season, like towards the end of the race, sometimes you don't need me being super calm on the sideline. And I'll try and pump them up, but I cannot pump people up in the same way that Coach Marconi can. Absolutely. Oh, my God. And she'd be on the other side of the course. And then she's pumping up people, and uh, that is that is it's wild. I just I can't do it. <laughs> uh, the one thing I want to talk about, and then we'll get into our hot seat questions. Um, and we've talked about this. Like I've had uh, Coach um, Coach uh, oh, I can't remember Coach White from uh, Grand Island. I've had Coach Smith from Niagara Wheatfield. Uh, Coach Morano from Niagara Falls when he was coaching. Um, and the one thing that that was a universal that everybody thought of was just how much of a community, especially the NFL coaches are, but just how much of a community the the entire track and I'm sure cross-country world really is, where um, I know there's been times, um, whether it's a dual meet or an invite, where if you see a kid from Grand Island or a kid from Niagara Falls, if you want to get, you know, give them a, give them a little advice here. I know David from Niagara Falls, he, they really don't have a thrower's coach. So I'll kind of go over, Hey David, great job with the shot put. But if you notice, turn your hips a little bit more, work on your plan. I just found really it's in the NFL. It's, I think you really get that feel of, obviously we want Kenny's to win, but we don't want, it's not like we're out there blatantly trying to sabotage yeah. Niagara Wheatfield or Grand Island or whatever. It's just, you want the entire league to win. You want you want the athlete yeah. to win or or compete well. Do you kind of notice that same almost, for lack of a better word, almost like a community of runners or? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, the, the the group that we've got within the NFL is is very good in terms of helping each other's athletes. Um, 
and especially because there's so many different things going on at a track meet at any one time. Uh, if we've got four coaches out there, well, that's great. But at that time, there are six field events and one track event occurring. So unless we can split each other, split ourselves in half, we can't cover all of those seven things at once. Um, so having another coach out there, whether they're just parked at that particular field event and they can help all of the all of the NFL people who come through there. Um, I, I know at the at many of these uh, many of the track meets here at the at the shot in the disc circle, filling that kind of role. Like another school, maybe their coach is like, okay, my hands at the shot and disc. I, I'm okay. I can go cover. I can cover this this fire that's happening over here that I got to put out, and and we're good at the at the, at the throwing events. Um, in terms for, for track and field and for and for cross country and some of these other sports where it's the the achievement is based on the on the clock like you're racing other people you're competing against other people but in the end you're competing against yourself you're competing against your past self so mm-hmm. everyone in that race can still have a good race um and that's helping helping one person helps the helps the entire um the entire field um one one race that i think of this is the the a pro race obviously not a race i was involved in probably the best race that i've ever seen was the olympic uh 2012 800 um, in London, that David Radisha won and set the world record, and literally everyone behind him ran their personal best times ever, like never touched them again, because he went out and he he ran his race, and not a single other person won the gold medal, but every one of them had their best race ever on that day, and that's the kind of thing that can happen in track. Like you can you can beat your performance and still finish poorly in the race. Like that's another thing that I tell them. It's like you can have the best race of your life. Somebody else had a better race. Okay, shake their hands like yeah. they, got, they got you on that day, but do not have let that take away from your performance. Absolutely. I uh, otherwise like you're setting yourself up for failure. There's more people in, in a in a football game or a soccer game or anything. There's two teams. There's a winner and a loser. In a track race, there's a winner and there's a whole, whole bunch, bunch of, losers. of losers. Like if if your standard is I have to win or it's a failure. Mathematically, even that's you're going to have a lot more failures than more successes. Failures. Yeah. yeah, like how many races I won. Those couple of JV races as a freshman, I was the first. the The first time that I was my team's number one cross country runner was when I was in, I was, uh, I was in grad school at the time. I was twenty two years old before I was the number one runner. No, twenty. God, I was. I just turned twenty three at that point. Um, when I, before I be, was the first runner on my team across the line. Like if I had set that, I've got to be the number one runner on my team. There would have been a lot of failures because yeah. I would have artificially adjusted the bar. To a place that I can't clear it. You can always do that. You can always set your goals somewhere that you can't make. Um, but having having these time goals um, and and being able to contextualize it and say, okay, I I lost, but I did really well when I lost. Um, and, and that's what you get like for uh, these these NFL schools where I want to see that person from the other school do better. I want my guy to beat him, but. If they do really well and then my person doesn't quite do as well but has a personal best, then that's you know that's still a success. But yeah, it's good for the league. It's good for the league. And this year, like on the uh, on the boys' side, our our team score was the lowest. Team place was the lowest it's been in a while. But the NFL was much better. Yeah, like I, I 
what, what can I take away from that? Like, do I, would I prefer for the NFL teams to, to be horrible so that we could do better by comparison? No, if I want to be the best, I want to, I want to beat the best performance. I don't want to just back into it. I, I don't want to have it be handed to me because I was facing a bunch of scrubs, you know? Yeah. We, we won the NFL title <laughs> this year, but everybody else was down. Everyone else was terrible. <laughs> I mean, look at it. Like on the boys side, we had like 20 sectional qualifiers. How can I look at that just because we didn't finish as highly at one specific meet? How can I look at that season as a failure? The number of personal bests are enormous. Um, the girls' team had 13 or 14 sectional qualifiers after only four or five that were returning. Like, how can we look at that as a failure? Um, y- you can't. No. And especially, I mean, the way they performed, it was, it was a success. Um, again, like you said, especially in the boys' side, a little lower than, than the average. But I still think one of our most successful seasons we've had, yeah. just continuing that success. Yeah, and it's and it's great, and I think I, I feel like especially it is a unique sport where where track and field cross country um, it is it is a team sport, but it's also very very much an individual sport. I mean, yeah. unless you're unless you're on a relay specifically, it's you out there. Yeah. I mean, you're running it, and whatever result you get ultimately is on you. Yeah. Um, and like you said, every race you're going out there, you're you're racing the clock. You're racing yourself. Yeah. All right, uh, you know I'm trying to beat. I'm trying to get sub five in the in the mile. Yeah. When I get that, then I'm trying to get you know maybe four fifty five. You're trying to get lower and lower and lower. Every race that you get out there, um, yeah, you have teammates there. They're always going to be cheering you on. Even teammates racing against you in the sixteen or the two mile or whatever, they're going to be pushing you. But ultimately, it's it's you on that yeah. track. It's it's very much a team sport, but ultimately an individual sport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's uh, it it is a there are sports that allow for for those those athletes um, to still have their success. I know it must be tough um, if you're in one of those team sports, like especially with there's a lot of people on the on the on the on the pitch at the same time. If it's baseball or soccer or football, where there's there's ten or eleven of you out there at once. Um, and your team may be a little bit down, um, and it makes it it makes it harder on you. You're a star receiver, but no one can get you the ball. Like it, it must be yeah. tough. Um, I don't know how I would I would handle that. Um, but like the in, Bills, all those years when they didn't have a quarterback. I am very familiar with all of those years. <laughs> all of these all of these kids growing up, and now all of a sudden the Bills are good. Like they've always been good. Like you you ain't seen nothing. No, the dude. first game that I've have a clear memory of is the music city miracle. So, you know, oh. you know I, I, I've watched other games before that. But yeah. I have very firm, mem- clear memories of the music city miracle. So, uh, don't, don't talk to me about, uh, about that. <laughs> hey, I still remember as a 10 or 11 year old walking up the stairs, um, to my bedroom when they lost the wide, right tears in my eyes. But like, um, no, a lot of, but thank, hopefully those are behind us. Yeah. Hopefully those are behind I, us. When, uh, w- during the, the, the four years that the bills were in the Super Bowl, we were, my dad was in uh, grad school in Wisconsin at the time, and that's where I was. I was born, and we grew up there for a couple of years. And he was watching the game in a bar because the Bills game—that's uh, that's where it was. We didn't have a TV. Yeah, and he had to like walk around the neighborhood for like three hours. Oh yeah, afterwards. And of course, we're we're not surrounded by Bills fans there. We're surrounded by Packers fans, and they're like, ah, what the heck? What, what are you, gonna do? <laughs> you know, the Giants won. It is what it is. <laughs> we don't like the Giants, but we don't really care about the Bills. So who cares? Oh yeah, no. Even after even after as recently as the the thirteen seconds against Kansas City. Um, I just remember, I remember obviously, you know, being happy that we scored with the game and then they got the field. I'm like, all right, well, it's, it's not over. It's still overtime, still overtime. And just, I just, when they scored that touchdown, I just 
kind of yeah. got up. My wife looked at me, but like, where you? As I just walk <laughs> out the door, do like a quick little lap around the block, yeah. come back, and she just looked feel better. Yeah, N- not really, but good enough. I I remember I was I was watching the game as well, and I uh, they they scored. And I was like, I'm like super happy. Oh, yeah. And then the announcer goes on and he's talking about, oh, we're setting up for the next week. I was like, why would you say yeah, but like, something shut up. like that? This is the franchise that has the Music City Miracle. Like, this, are there, is there still time on the clock? If there's time on the clock, you better not be counting, counting up the next week. Unless there's, we're up by five scores, then I might be happy. But don't, don't say anything no. like that. What is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> uh, just another. Oh, well. <laughs> it is what it is. But on that point, we're going to get to our hot seat questions. So five questions. Um, we'll kind of bounce back and forth. Could be questions literally about anything, whether it's about track and field, about sports, about non-sports, um, whatever. Uh, first question I'll come up with, uh, and we, I think we did this one last week or two weeks ago. If there was a sport, obviously, besides uh, cross country or track and field, that you could go back and play at the high school level, what would that sport have been like that? If you, man, I wish I would have played this. I wish I would have played that. Uh, for me, it was, um, honestly, I'm torn because I would have loved the only reason I gave up cross country is because of soccer. I would have loved that to be in different seasons, but I did both of them at some point in my high school career. So I would have loved to play football, not to be a, I mean, (laughs) you you see how big I am to be like a punter or a kicker. Uh, so I would be like a field goal kicker or a punter. Uh, no, I'm not being a wide receiver or anything. I'm not getting hit. Uh, so that would be, I would, I would always thought I would have been, especially being that soccer player, I thought I would have been a, a, a decent punter or a decent kicker. So that that's the sport I wish I could have. Give me another four years of high school and I would have done that. How about you? Uh, yeah, so as I, as I mentioned earlier, I started out as a soccer player. Um, I never played at the high school level. It never really crossed my mind like i don't i don't remember exactly why but it was never i was like always going to come in and do cross country um because i guess i had those couple years gap between like when i stopped playing soccer at 12 and when i got to ninth grade so i never it never really considered it um but that would definitely be the sport that i would do i was i mean i was pretty good at soccer um and i was i was fast enough i would run around the field the issue at that point was that i was i was a little guy when i was in ninth and 10th <laughs> grade like i was a late late grower um people the, the kids don't believe me when i tell them like i was i was small when i started out i have some pictures and it looks like like i'm in like i'm like 8 years old like i <laughs> i am 14 in that picture believe it or not i'm 14 um so i would have i would have had a hard time um making the team, we had a, a very, very good soccer team. We won sectionals twice and runner-up once or runner-up twice and won once while I was there. So um, I, by the time I got to be a junior and senior, I, I probably could have made varsity, but um, I would have, I would have been, it, it would have been fun. I enjoyed playing soccer. Um, again, it just never, it never, Do you still play at all. Like even just like a game of pickup here and there, or I, I would like, I wouldn't, I'm not against it. I just, I don't have a lot of time. Um, so I, I don't play a lot. Every now and again, you know, if one of the kids will bring a soccer ball and I'll like dribble it around a little bit uh, okay. while they're warming up or something. Like I, I enjoyed playing soccer. Uh, I would have, I would have liked to play football. I played flag football, but like I said, I was a little guy. I would have gotten, <laughs> I would have been dead immediately um, as a freshman or a sophomore. I don't think there was any position that I could have played. Uh, maybe a, like a slot receiver and to catch the ball and then instantly and go then to the ground, fall down. You, you are not getting tackled. Do not, do not <laughs> the, let yourself. There's no yak. There's no yards after catch. As soon as you feel somebody <laughs> within your vicinity, you are going to the ground. Um, and then as a junior or senior, maybe I could have, uh, maybe I, I could have played uh, more, but uh, probably, probably be soccer. 
I, I enjoyed a lot of sports. But Especially like Kenny's football team. I mean, nowadays, everybody could play. It would be, I, I don't know. Um, I don't remember exactly. I know we had a really, really good uh, wide receiver slash quarterback. He was, uh, I think he made the Hall, he was in the Hall of Fame, either my class or maybe the class after. Okay. Um, and there were a couple other guys. We had a, a really good thrower, uh, Eric Peasland. Who's uh, he's got the weight weight throw record indoors forty five seven and this okay. is this is before weight throw was an official event yeah he, this was it was an exhibition they did it once a year at Lancaster and he he threw forty five he threw like one thirty in the disc he was he was really good he was I remember him as being gigantic but he was two years older than me and again I everybody was, was I was little yeah every I'm looking back at like then I I go back and I see these people and I'm like towering over them I'm like what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, nothing happened to me. I you just got taller. Um, but he was yeah. There were there were a lot of uh, we had a we had a good feeder program, uh, decent number of football players who came in and and were able to contribute. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. All right. So question two. Do you got one or I'll go on another? I one? got another one. Yeah, all right. What I, do you got? I knew what I was getting myself into. Oh, there we go. He did the research. <laughs> did the, okay. Uh, all right. Um, so if there were there's uh, any any country that you could go to, maybe you've already been there, maybe you've not been there. Um, and a, spe- a specific like historical site or modern site or something that you would like to see. Uh, maybe the, again, you could maybe you've already been there um, and you'd like to go back. Um, uh, for for me, um, I would I I've always kind of wanted to see the uh, the ruins at um, like the Acropolis and the Parthenon, uh, the, okay. the, the Greek ruins, um, and also in in Rome the the Colosseum um, because I was I was a classics major. And so I studied a lot of that stuff, and we had a study abroad program, but I, I was never able to go because we had track. Like, yeah, it was, not, it was always like during the important part of the season, so I could never go and and, and do that. Um, but I think that would be really cool because I've read I've read a lot of this stuff, some of it in the original Greek or Latin, and it's like this is this is a place that I would want to go. I, I would feel I would feel comfortable. I would feel like the the, the weight of those all, all of that history was right there. And like I could touch the stone, and you know I think that'd be really cool. Okay, um, one place. Uh, I mean, it, last year I did. Uh, my wife and I we did our Italy trip, which was for me was a bucket list trip. We did um, uh, more than northern. We did uh, we did Rome, we did Milan, uh, Florence. Loved it. I mean, fell in love with the cities. Cinque Terre was amazing. Um, one thing that we did, one place that we did, um, we did a day trip. Uh, to the Coliseum to see the Coliseum, but we didn't actually get to go into the Coliseum. Uh, yeah. It was just, it was one of those things that, um, I guess people are saying like, you even have to book like weeks in advance. Oh, yeah. Like it's, so we, we got to see around the outside. We got to see the actual Coliseum, but, um, so I guess for me, just going back and actually getting a chance to go into Coliseum would be, would be something. I mean, we did the Vatican, which was amazing. We did a great tour there. Um, we did uh, a couple of the domos, uh, the one in Milan, um, Pisa. We did we did a, a, another day trip there and got to go on the Leaning Towers and all that stuff. But uh, I, in the Colosseum, I, I really would have, um, and not to mention, Jesus, when we were there, we were there ten days. I think the lowest it got was like ninety eight, ninety nine. It is, it is I mean, warm it over was, there, yeah. Cool. <laughs> this was like the, this was uh, end of June, beginning of July. It was blazing hot. But um, I would have liked a chance to go into the Coliseum. Okay. Um, but seeing it on the outside, even just being on the out, was was awesome. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So, uh, and anyway, like, anytime I can go to the vacation, I'm going to Italy. Like, I, <laughs> I just, I loved it. Um, loved that country. It was amazing. Um, again, a bucket list trip, thanks to my wife. 
All right. All right. Uh, question three. Hmm. Okay. We haven't done this one in a while. And my, my I forgot my answer might even change. Um, if you could have uh, one, um, I guess, one superpower, one super ability, um, what would it be and why? Um, I can't remember what I – we did this really early on. Um, but one that popped into my head, I'm going to say – I would probably say – and maybe I did this last time. I'm going to say mind reader. Like I, I'm just one of those guys where I like – I just like knowing information. I don't care if it's good information, bad information, indifferent. I just, especially when you're when you're when you're leaving an interview or when you're leaving a, a just what like what that person's thinking. What can you like? Just it'd, it'd be cool. I always thought it'd be cool to be a mind reader, okay. like just to kind of read their mind, see what they're thinking. Plus, I figure if you ever play poker, like I was a poker player, that'd be make it a lot easier to <laughs> to uh, get somebody there. But no, I think mind reading would be one of mine. That would uh, that would certainly be uh, an advantage in those uh, those tournaments. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> you would have to strategically lose some hands now and then, otherwise people would uh, <laughs> accuse you of cheating. But since you would know which were the good hands to lose, you know, it would be a lot easier. Um, okay. Um, I'm not sure I would go, I would go for Mind Reader, but uh, I mean, if we're talking like conven- the conventional superpowers— um, it could be any any superpower yeah, you want, anything yeah, that I even know. you deem as a superpower. Yeah, um, I mean, for, for me, it would be really great if I had the ability to fall asleep whenever I wanted to. Uh, because little, I little narcolepsy. No, that's uh, <laughs> that would well narcolepsy is involuntary. Involuntary. Okay, I would not want that. That would be ter- That would be horrible. Um, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's not go there though. That's boring. Um, I think. Whenever I'm when when I am uh, dreaming, I, I can fly a lot when I'm dreaming. I think that's that that would be cool. Okay. I would like to be able to fly. Um, it would. Uh, I would have to stay within a certain height because I'm not great with really high heights. I'm okay <laughs> up to a decent level. Like I'm not like the the person who crosses a bridge and has to hold onto the handrails so that they don't fall in. Uh, but I'm not I'm not going up to the clouds. Uh, but uh, that would be nice. I presume it, I would I would dodge a lot of traffic. Um, Absolutely, that would be great. Um. Yeah, I think it'd be neat to be able to fly. Okay, I think that'd be cool. I could see that. <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So it was question three, question four, question four. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna take a question that I'm I, has probably come up that you've asked before, and we're gonna flip it around a little bit. Okay. Um. Something that you enjoy doing, sport, anything else that you are not particularly good at. Something that you you do. It, because it's fun, not because I am, I am great at it. Just I enjoy doing this thing. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not saying that you have to be the worst worst human being on earth at this at this activity. Like it doesn't have to be that. Like this is my I'm horrible at this, but I'm I, I like it. Uh, but it's just like this is not quite my area of expertise. Okay. But I just really like doing it. Um, for for me, I have an I have an issue with stationary depth perception, where if objects are not moving, like I have a, I have a hard time with that. Um, I like to play pool. I'm okay. Not, I'm not great at it because you would think that that stationary cue ball would be real easy to hit, but I have a hard time with it sometimes. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll line up the perfect shot, and every now and again, if I'm really focused, I can do it. Um, and uh, mini golf also because, again, that, that golf ball on the ground is not moving. Should be able to hit it really well. <laughs> I know exactly how far away it is, uh, but I'll miss it or I'll just I'll just twitch at the last moment. Uh, but I have a blast doing it. Like this is this is a comedic experience for anybody. If you want to have fun, 
and see somebody who is horrible at golf but enjoying the experience, come mini golf with me because <laughs> it is absolutely comedic. I will make long putts that no one should make and then miss them from within like two feet and miss them horribly. That's awesome. <laughs> Almost like a little happy Gilmore there where you, the long ball but couldn't hit the short ones. I am, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be above a certain degree of difficulty. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm good at those, but uh, too close. And, but I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll have a great time with it. Like, oh, just, absolutely. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> Okay. Um, For me, this is going to sound a little corny, but I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say singing. I I like singing, especially like if a song comes on and, you know, on our on our bus rides, um, the kids will blast music that sometimes they'll go. They'll go back. Sometimes they'll come. Coach, what do you want to hear? And we'll hear a song from the 80s or 90s. Um, So I'll sing along. But uh, I, I enjoy singing. Especially it comes out of even uh, teaching classes or whatever, but I, I'm I'm a realistic guy. I have not a good voice at all. Like there are times I'll just I'll sing around the house, especially if I'm doing a chore, and my wife will be like, "Can you please stop? It's been 30 <laughs> minutes. You're scaring the dogs. Like knock it off." Uh, no, I I I I enjoy singing. I, I think it's fun, especially you know if you're going out to karaoke. Oh, yeah. You know you just whatever. But no, I'm not. A good singer at all. I, uh, you know what? I, I actually, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, unfortunately, I've got a lot of singing talent in my family around me. Um, I have, I'm good for about one octave, um, and usually it's a pretty good one. But I have no range. <laughs> um, my ear isn't the best for the sound. I'm usually pretty good. I mean, played, I played uh, saxophone for a while, um, so I got pretty good at that. But, um, but yeah, I, I enjoy singing too. It's just I have to frequently change the pitch that I'm on because I only have a really small range. <laughs> so you're gonna hear like you, you want me to sing like the Star Spangled Banner. It's great, but I ever, I'm gonna have to change the the key every like every stanza because I can't go all the way from the, the low note to the high note. Uh, but I, I enjoy singing too. I don't have anyone, I don't have any dogs to frighten. Um, possibly the people who live around me, although I whistle a lot. So maybe that's more likely that they'll hear me, hear me whistling. Oh, I whistle all the time, but well, it's funny, <laughs> even in elementary, we had, uh, you have the fourth and fifth grade chorus oh, or yeah. whatever. Fourth grade every, at, at Niagara Falls at the time, we had to try out for our course. Mm. She was taking 52 students or sorry, 50 students, um, we're going to make the chorus. 52 tried out. I did not make the chorus. I did not make the chorus. Um, and I would just remember, like, she would call, like, this person. I'm like, my name's not on there. She's like, sorry. I'm like, and everybody's, dude, did you make it? I'm like, no, I couldn't do it. I'm like, I, 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 I had to quit. Yeah. So, no, I, uh, 50 made it. There were 50 spots, 52 uh. available, and I did not make a spot. <laughs> I was in the, our school musical when I was in eighth grade, and I was uh, the loudest one. I had the advantage of being loud. <laughs> um, so, and that was kind of right around the time when my, my voice was dropping a little bit. So I was a little, a little inconsistent with the notes. But I would go out there and I was belted out. I was belting out the notes like I'm super <laughs> confident here. Um, and the teachers every now and then was like, you know what? Yeah, I, I like the confidence, but maybe let's let somebody else. Uh, <laughs> let's let the rest of let the rest of the or, let let the rest of the chorus uh, spread their. Uh, their own noise, and uh, you can uh, be a little quieter. Just fade in the background. Fade in the background. Just fade this in is, the background. Good. Your background. Your background in this in this scene. That was the only. That was the only musical I was ever in. It was like, eh, it was fun, but eh, not really for me. <laughs> Lovely. All right. Fifth question. Final question. If you got one, jump in. If not, I came with two. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Fifth one. Okay. Um, not necessarily your favorite food, but one food 
um, food item, food dish, whatever that kind of takes you back to uh, like takes you back to your childhood or like uh, this reminds me of grandma's cooking, mom's cooking, dad's cooking um, or just even even going to a, a certain restaurant or whatever, like or snack, mm-hmm. some food item that really, really transports you back back to that uh, that childhood for me. Um, it was always, uh, my grandmother lived across the street from us. So it was always going over there. She would fry up, uh, some peppers and onions. Um, sometimes it would be on homemade Italian bread. Other times it would be from Dicamello's. She'd put some homemade sausage in there. Um, just, or sometimes it would just be the peppers, the fried peppers, onions, the, the bread. Um, my mom would try to make it every so often. Like it's just not as good. Like it's, it's not good. Um, there was nobody, no better person than my grandmother to make that, uh, my nonna. So that, that's one that instantly just mm-hmm. transports me back. Just a, a simple fried pepper and onion sandwich <laughs> on Italian bread. Um, even to this day, I'll try to make it and it's just, it's not even close. Not, yeah. It's just not even close. Yeah. Um, okay. When, um, so I remember when I was, uh, I was like six or seven and um we're out visiting my my grandmother out in albany and um uh like some extended families there me and my parents aunt and uncle whatever um and i uh i i woke up i came down to, to eat breakfast and there was there was this crumb cake on the table Ooh, nice. and it was like okay that's that's not a breakfast food though i'd like i eat sweet cereal for for breakfast this, this is what we do and uh my my uncle who is obviously much older than he's like I don't know how old he was at the time, 27, 28. Um, he came down and he cut himself a piece of cake and he ate it for breakfast. And it was the most <laughs> mind blowing thing I had ever seen. And I was, I, I told my mom, I was like, Uncle Andrew's eating cake for breakfast. Like, what is, what is, like, this, this doesn't, like, is that legal? And it, I was like, and this, it, it just, every time I have any, anything, even remotely adjacent to crumb cake or, or like the little, little cakes that you would unwrap. I I just instantly think of that, and I remember that that kitchen and and the people and the and the time and uh, you know and just <laughs> just remembering the way that I felt and the smell that was in the air at the time and just me it was like a whole new world that opened up like I st- <laughs> I did I think I ate a little bit of that cake for breakfast and it was like the most decadent thing I've ever had is like oh I've skipped a, I've I've skipped I've skipped right to the end of the day I've skipped through all the food that I don't want to eat and I'm getting my cake already at nine in the morning it's like the most amazing thing and then i, I went and ate some cereal but uh, <laughs> because <laughs> you know some habits die hard but um that is something that that brings me back whenever i i walk past that aisle like in a grocery store i will still hear it and i will still smell it and uh yeah that's gonna stick with me <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome and i'm telling crumb i love i love oh crumb god cake. yes uh, absolutely it's but you shouldn't be allowed to eat it for breakfast no that's not a breakfast food but it was on that day and it was a magical day yeah throw a little coffee in there sure, it's, why it's, not? it's, it's breakfast it's, this is good <laughs> maybe he ate, maybe he'd already eaten sir i don't know there was, you go i was seven what do it i it was know? his breakfast dessert <laughs> <laughs> he's an adult he can do whatever he wants like if i want to eat cake for breakfast i can do it i don't because it's not a good idea but uh i could uh i love it all right well thanks we're gonna to wrap things up there thanks tim for for finally coming on um this was a lot of fun we definitely got to have you back whenever you want i mean this was fun absolutely i uh thanks for having me it's a it's a good experience and uh 
Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, I feel like if I finally broke you down, maybe Marty and Mike are next. Marty, Marty oh and Mike are next. That, that's a tough nut to crack. That's a tough ask. That, uh, <laughs> I've been asking them almost as long as I've been asking you. You but. may have to trick them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's like, we got this thing going on in North Tonawanda. Like, I, I could use your help. And then once they're in here, then you lock the door. Yeah, but like, you're not getting out. <laughs> Uh, but no, thank you for coming on. Um, make sure you guys check out this episode and every episode. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts or Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify, um, Amazon. Check us out on the website. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and on our YouTube page at Stories from the Sidelines. And as always, we will see you next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. <laughs>